0: Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone, joining me today from Bangladesh is Paul van Miekeren, the Netherlands fast bowler who enjoyed a successful World Cup in October and November last year in Australia. Thanks for joining me, Paul. Hi Stephen, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How's it going in BPL9 playing for the Kul- Kulna Tigers, if I've got that right?
1: Yeah, correct. Um, we've had our ups and downs, I think. Uh, we hit a real down a couple of couple nights ago when we couldn't chase 105, unfortunately, or 108, whatever it was, on a very good wicket. But uh, we just flew into Solet and uh, we got six games le- le- left so if we win the next four or five, hopefully that's see us through to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, we're recording this podcast on the 26th of January. There's seven teams in the Bangladesh Premier League. So you're hopeful of getting into the top, is it five to get into the playoffs?
1: I believe it's top four, um, I think. But we've got the, the the six games against the top three teams since the last. And I think it's Camilla. Uh, and Burashnal, if I pronounce it right we got them left and two of them look pretty much unstoppable so uh, yeah we got a, we got some uh, big games coming up and uh, we have to play at our best if we want to make a everyone want to have a chance
0: The wickets won't be suiting your your fast bowling will they?
1: Uh, first game actually was seeming around a little bit but other than that it's been pretty flat and uh, more probably more suitable to the batters but um I've had a. It hasn't gone the way I wanted to so far. I've, I've been happy with a couple of the performances, but uh, yeah, I had to I had to make a few adjustments and, and um, struggled a little bit the first couple of weeks with with my body um, that stiffened up a little bit. So uh, I'm all good now, uh, thanks to the magic work of the physio and the masseurs here. Um, so I'm ready to go. But obviously, we've got now six overseas players with our, uh, Andy Balberni joining us today. And we can only play four, so uh, it's up to the coach, the captain, and the and the leadership team who they want to play. Uh, but it's going to be pretty tough to get into that to that team at the moment.
0: So, what other overseas players have you got? Because you've got Wahab Riaz playing for you, haven't you?
1: Yeah, we got we got Wahab, who's probably at top of the leading wicket taker charts. We got Azam Khan, keeper and batter, uh, who's scored a hundred in our second game, so he's been pretty good for us. Uh, now, I have to pronounce it. Is it Bat, uh if I pronounce it right? Also, a Pakistani player all round. He's been very good with the ball um, and hasn't had much chance yet with the bet. So, hopefully, in the next few games, when he's got an opportunity, he shows his qualities with that. And then we got Shy Hope, who played his first game the other night, uh, the West Indian and the Irish captain, uh, Andy Balberny, who just joined us, who uh, just finished up a, a Zimbabwe trip with Ireland so uh, yeah we we got our overseas stocks uh, loaded now and and hopefully we can fire the next few games
0: what are the what's the crowds been like
1: uh good pretty loud um especially the evening games they're coming in um so yeah it's been pretty good pretty good so far uh what you kind of expect I guess playing cricket in Asia with uh you know the passion they've got here for cricket so uh yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of celebrating, and especially when Tamim and the local big guys get on the big screen, there's a lot of shouting and celebrating. So, uh, yeah, quite a good experience so far.
0: Well, the playoffs I've uh, written down here start on the 12th of February and the final on the 16th of February. So, good luck with the BPL 9. But I've got to talk you. about the the uh, the amazing World Cup that the Netherlands had down under in October and November and you've already qualified for 2024
1: yeah no that was uh it was quite a special World Cup uh, especially sort of I think um up till the last game we were pretty pretty happy with the way we played we had a little bit of luck making it through to the next stage uh, because sort of of the sort of ups and downs in the group stage with Namibia beating Sri Lanka in the first game uh but we didn't we didn't put our best performance in until that last game, really. We showed glimpses in, in how good and competitive we can be. But uh, beating South Africa the last day really sort of made it from a tournament that would have been ifs and buts. And if we could have done that over and, and if we were a little bit better that game, we probably could have beaten Sri Lanka and, and Bangladesh. But overall, it was a really good good World Cup in the end. And I, I saw a tweet the other day of us sort of celebrating and, and the last ball of the game against South Africa and then only then which was a few days ago it really sank in how big of a performance it was and, and probably the the upset it was with South Africa after the first few games in the group stage looking like maybe one of the favourites of the tournament so to stand them packing and, and for us uh, qualifying for the next World Cup was was um, yeah it was pretty special and, and especially the last in a couple of days ago I'd really sank in how, how good it was and and how special the 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 the
0: game loss, I guess. Yeah, I think all cricket fans just assumed they'd wake up that morning with South Africa winning their last game, and qualify for the semi-finals. When and you went and beat them by thirteen runs. In fact, your coach Ryan Campbell, who has been on the paddock and the pavilion, he said that once you batted first, he was confident that you would beat them.
1: The one thing I I kept saying to my guys when we when we we're just chatting in the background was they always make a mistake at a World Cup. That's the history of South African cricket. And if there's a, 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 just a glimpse that they could take the gas, they will take the gas if there's pressure. So if we can bat first, make 160, we can defend that. And, you know, when they won the toss and said, oh, we're going to bowl first, I actually was standing next to my assistant James Hilditch and said mate we're going to win this game um yeah I guess with the total we got on the board I can't even remember exactly how much it was but um with the with the score on the board and the bowling attack we've got and and probably the bowling has always been our our strongest strongest part of the game uh so you know to see the batters firing and put a very competitive score on the board I think the way we had been bowling and, and the different skill set we got in the team uh, gave us a lot of confidence. And, and then um, the game was in the balance for a while. And then Brendan Glover bowled an exceptional spell picking up. Probably the two or three big batsmen in that team um, saw us over the line. And, and um, yeah, we celebrated accordingly, accordingly the, the last evening while we were out in Australia.
0: Yeah, this morning I watched the catch that... Uh van der Merwe took when he got uh, David Miller out. What's he like to play for? He's got so much passion when he's bowling and taking wickets.
1: Yeah, I've been quite lucky to play with him for about four years uh, outside the Dutch team. So I met him in in Amsterdam when he played for the local cricket club there. And then uh, me and him were both at Somerset. So I I know Rufy quite well. Um, He's just one of those guys who you want in in your team. Uh, He just doesn't give up. He... It's great to talk to um, uh, and just got the neck of, of changing the game in, in in a moment like that. And I guess you've seen it now for the people following the SAT twenty or the, the SA twenty. That um, he didn't play the first couple games for um, I think it's Eastern Cape uh, high, uh, Sunrises, and since he's gone in, he's he's been quite a big impact. He got a six for and couple two wicket holes and he's not going for any runs so uh yeah he, he's just that ultimate competitor that um that just doesn't give up and and no matter if he's injured or not he he's on the park throwing himself around and and giving the his full full 120 percent uh to the team and uh, puts himself sort of in the back of his mind so uh yeah he puts the team first and his and himself second which you can't you can't ask for anything more i guess from any team team member
0: now they're the sort of players you, you want in a team and you also beat zimbabwe by 5 wickets and you took 11 wickets in the tournament uh you got wickets of um Rizwan uh, Bavuma and KL Rahul for india but i've got to ask you what was it like bowling to virat kohli uh
1: actually when when him and uh sky were betting together um it was i, I felt a, a lot more relaxed bowling at virat than at sky virat seemed because he's quite a traditional batsman um i felt like there was a little bit more room i guess for for error uh, even though it's very small and and um where with sky the the way he was setting up in his stance, he felt like, like he could hit you anywhere from sort of covers to fine leg the, the, with the setup and the shots he've got. So um, every time I managed to get sky or strike and board at Kohli, I felt a lot more confident uh, and comfortable. So um, yeah, actually bowling to out was actually quite a nice experience compared to the stress Sky gave me running in. So uh, now obviously it was a special moment, and and the crowd in Sydney was unbelievable. Um, and actually very friendly towards us. So um, that was quite one of those games that that you remember for the rest of your life.
0: Just widening in in the topic about uh, Dutch cricket, when I spoke to Ryan last, he said that the sort of demise of the World Cricket League for the um, 50-over internationals um, would harm Dutch cricket. Do you think the same?
1: Um, it would. I don't necessarily think it will harm Dutch cricket. It will harm any associate cricket. I mean, uh, the the platform it created in this case for one associate is, um, the yeah, it's a big loss. I mean, to get the opportunity to play twelve ODIs against the best teams in the world is something that's been taken away now. And and the way the cricket schedules at the moment is very tough for teams to actually want to play against us. So. For them to have forced to play against us uh, was experience-wise for some of the guys uh, was incredible. I mean, some players like Vikram Singh, uh, Shiraz Ahmed and Basta who were with us uh, at the World Cup, they literally went from to the next level uh, during last summer when we played West Indies, Pakistan, England and New New Zealand at home, even though New Zealand were two separate uh, T20s internationals. But just playing those games against those teams really took their game to the next level. and Unfortunately, we didn't win any of those 11 games at home. But um, if you just break the games down, we competed uh, against Pakistan in a couple of games where we would probably maybe say we should have won one. Um, we competed against West Indies where we should have won one and, and one game was in the balance for the majority of the game. So... And England, England is a different beast. But at times we we really managed to control the game a little bit. Um, probably except the first ODI. But um, you know, the, 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 at times we just were able to compete against the big teams, against the best players in the world. And I mean, we're already showing it in T Twenty cricket that we can compete the whole game. And fifty over cricket, you just need to be a bit more consistent and and do things right for a longer period of time. So. Um, you know, the more opportunity we get to those teams and those experiences, the more we're going to compete even at that level. And uh, to take that away from a social cricket is is uh, it's probably not fair. And um, you know, we maybe were not the team who who were going to play in that league the next year, but maybe a Scotland or Namibia who who maybe would get the opportunity uh, by outranking us uh, in, in whatever ranking system the ICC comes up with, or qualifying high in the next world cup qualifying tournament would see them playing that tournament um it's very unfortunate to see so we're almost pretty much back to t20 cricket and opportunities we get only at the world cup level so um yeah we need to find a way to get more teams um i think we've said it at the world cup where why don't teams come to netherlands or scotland for their prep before playing england in international cricket and uh, namibia obviously next to south africa is a is a great team and a great place to to prepare for a South Africa series. So, if we can find ways to host teams for their preparation before playing England, that that that's a way forward. But uh, that's up to the cricket boards to really sell that and and show how good the preparation can be by coming to the Netherlands over preparing against and at uh, different counties in the UK.
0: Well, that would seem a much better way because the, the counties. You know, put out second elevens, don't they, when they play against the touring sides? So, so to play against a a competitive outfit who really want to to perform would be a much better option.
1: I I agree. Um, you know, when those tour games are on, it's it's quite often a big occasion for the county itself. But if you look at the teams that they put out, it's quite often a second string attack because the county season is so high demanding on on the bowlers that. Uh, especially a lot of the bowlers who play consistently in the first team will get actually that week off or those couple of days off and, and so so they can recharge the batteries and it's a very good run out for the batters um, against against those oppositions. But yeah, we probably have a, a bowling attack that we can put on the park that can compete against county teams and um it will give us the ex- experience to to take our cricket to the next level and and I guess take world cricket to the next level by hopefully more upsets or or, or if you still want to call it upsets at some stage um, at at world cups.
0: Let's go back to your beginnings in cricket. Now you're growing up in a in a football loving country. We we think of the Netherlands of Johan Cruyff and. Uh, Virgil Van Dijk now, uh, Marco Van Basten, uh, Dennis Bergkamp. How did you start playing cricket?
1: Uh, that was my dad. So uh, my dad, my dad joined a, a local football club in in Haarlem, um, and um, during this during the summer, it, uh, they shovel out the 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 halfway line at the football field and put some gravel in and roll a cricket mat on top of it, and that would be the cricket club for the. For the summer, and he did both growing up. So um, when I was, you know, younger, he would take me to his football games after my local football game, and during the summer I would go to his games, uh, cricket games, and just be around and throw ball, hit a ball, kick a ball, pretty much the whole year around. So that's how I got into my cricket, and especially when I was growing up, that's that's how a lot of kids started playing cricket, either their parents. Uh, If they had Dutch parents, their dad or mother quite often got into cricket via sort of a a club that had both sports or uh, they had sort of a a parent with the English or uh, at that time, quite often English or Australian or South African background, uh, where nowadays the the Asian community, the Asian expat community is a lot bigger. And we see a lot more of those kids who are born in the Netherlands. Um, coming through the ranks and making the debuts for the Dutch team which is very exciting because they, they definitely help uh, bringing the level of cricket um, uh, helping uh, improving their level of cricket in the Netherlands uh, as we see a lot of more uh, sort of the traditionally Dutch, Dutch kids or the, the, the Dutch uh, born kids or Dutch background kids sort of not picking up cricket as much anymore so um, you know there's some incredible talent in the Netherlands um and uh we need to find a way to to harvest that talent and and make sure they keep growing and they keep becoming better and hopefully then push guys in the national team for a spot
0: so no cricket at schools at all,
1: no sports in school in general, so all sports in the Netherlands are gone through clubs, so um you got your p e classes in school, and that's it um I played a bit of football for my for my School team, but that wasn't it. It wasn't really school sports. It was sort of an extra class that you could take up on the side. You would train on a Thursday afternoon once every two weeks with your school team. And we had one field tournament and a and a street court tournament. But that's it's not really in in Holland that you play sports in school. Everything has gone through the local football club, tennis club, hockey club, whatever club it is. So yeah, it's a slightly different setup than the UK.
0: And your progress as a youngster, did you play for the Netherlands in for under 13, 15, 17s, things like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, all the age group stuff under, under 11, under 12, 13, 15, 17, 19, Dutch A. That's how I progressed to the national team.
0: Because you made your debut for Holland at 20, and we said off air that you were at Lords when. Uh, the Netherlands beat England in the World T Twenty competition.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was that. That took me out of school uh, on the Friday. Uh, we flew, I think we flew on a Friday morning. Had a little walk around uh, London. Uh, my dad and a very close friend of his, and then uh, we went to the game in the evening. Which one side of the ground was fully in orange, uh, which was quite amazing to see, and and definitely the loudest part of the stadium, and. Um, yeah, we uh we saw a pretty big upset I guess but uh I think we won the toss. Uh I don't think England hit a single six and we hit our first six I think somewhere in the second or third over so uh yeah that that there was a few things that we managed to do and and luckily get across the line on the last ball with a uh, Stuart broad overthrow but uh yeah I was in the crowd and, and remember that day like it was yesterday.
0: And that was when you had those Aussies playing for you. Dirk Nannis was playing, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. We had, uh, I think Dirk Nannis played two games for the Dutch team, which was England and Pakistan at that World Cup. And uh, after that, he made his debut for Australia. So uh, that's all the service we got out of him. But um, yeah, it was actually quite exciting to see that uh, some of the Dutch talent actually made a big impact in that game against England uh, and not sort of the the duo passport holders uh, who just come in for the big games and then fly out again. So just to see the guys who are playing their domestic cricket in Holland and actually grew up playing the game in Holland, being the, being sort of the superstars of that game was actually probably the biggest highlight of all.
0: We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see,
1: we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become?
0: Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2.
1: Play it now with Game Pass.
0: You joined Somerset in 2016. How how did that come about?
1: I decided to to move to the UK, playing club cricket in uh, Newcastle. And, um, actually Tim van der Gugte, who signed for Glamorgan at the end of the 2015 summer, uh, g- gave me a message, uh, if I was in the UK and, uh, we had the world cup just before the UK summer started in India. And I, I got two for 18 or something against Bangladesh and four for 11 against Ireland in a rain affected game. And, um, uh, they were quite impressed so he said do you want a trial for Glamorgan so made my way to Glamorgan and the second trial game was against Somerset and I don't know I can't remember taking a wicket but apparently they were also impressed I think I bought like a 10 over spell in a three-day game and they invited me over and then uh, played with Marcus Treskotic who was fielding in second slip because there was like a white ball block going on and Chris Rogers, who was the four day captain of Somerset at the time, was at mid on. And we played against Kent away in the second team game. And I took a five wicket haul. And, <laughs> and they were apparently the feedback from them was quite good. So um, that's how I made my way to Taunton in 2016 and then had three and a half years there.
0: Yeah, that must have been a fantastic experience um, playing with the likes of Marcus Trescothic, Chris Rogers.
1: Yeah, no, like especially in the second team game, uh, we try and improve. I think out of the whole the whole squad of players we had in 2016 days, those were the two team, two players who you wanted to be around and watch the ball. And uh, you know, if someone like Marcus Scotting and Chris Rogers are probably impressed, then uh, that will help a long way in in securing a contract, I guess.
0: And you said you played with them for three and a half years. Did you? We're we're getting close to the sort of COVID year, but did you get released from your contract?
1: Yeah, so unfortunately, I lost my uh, lost my contract in twenty nineteen, um, which was uh, frustrating for a few re- a few sort of reasons. But uh, I guess that that's part of the job and part of professional cricket. And um, and then sort of I was looking. To, to find a new contract in 2020. But before that season started, the COVID, COVID happened. So uh, all the clubs were pretty much in their own biosecure bubble, weren't allowed to have any trialists in. There was no second team cricket being played. So um, yeah, 2020 was pretty much a write-off uh, in sort of fighting or trying to earn and impress someone for a new contract. I did four weeks of training with Leicester in the last month um uh, and and that's about it and then you know there was a little bit of interest from them to to do some indoor training but then the second lockdown happened so uh again that winter was again a write off so um yeah that, that that was a an interesting period i guess but i think in hindsight it, it was personally a personal development kind of period which which i i came very uh, which was brilliant for me, I think, um, uh, from a personal development kind of thing. I did some other things on the side, uh, which was quite exciting.
0: So, you, because you find this with quite a few people with, with COVID in that particular period, they took up other other activities, um, educational things. Is that how what happened to you? Because whereas other people found it very difficult to cope with the the isolation
1: yeah um yeah uh i think the the thing for me was is obviously my all my close friends and, and and family they live in the netherlands so uh covid or not i don't see them that often anyway so for me that that isolation bit uh which it, the first lockdown i did with my ex girlfriend which which really helped so um, just for me not being able to see friends and family I, I kind of was already used to anyway so uh, for me it was just trying to stay busy and uh, during that first lockdown I set up a, a players association called the Dutch Cricketers Association which in the UK is the PCA uh, who sort of are the voice of the players so that, that was quite exciting to launch that and, and and get that off the floor and then um, I played a little bit the second half of 2020. with The club cricket picked up, so I did that in Chesterfield. And then um, I just tried to stay busy doing doing the the Players Association and and sort of going from strength to strength with that. And uh, during the second winter or during the winter 2020 2021, I did a bit of Uber Eats delivering, so I could just pay my bills at the end of the end of the month, uh, which actually was a very relaxing. Uh, job to be fair I just had my music on streamed some Dutch radio on on the Fridays and Saturday evenings when I mainly did it and and just you know it was sort of a great way to relax and uh, not think about any other stresses in life I think some people might go running and and find that very relaxing but every time I start running after about two or three minutes I'm I'm actually in a in a darker place because I just want to stop and it hurts and it's tiring and I don't enjoy that. Where when I got into my car and just picking up deliveries here and there from the local restaurants and dropping them off, I found very relaxing and and just listening to a bit of music. So uh, yeah, all in all, it was personal development wise and 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 you know overcoming some challenges was uh, was pretty good. So for me, COVID, uh, even though it was probably for the world and, and for some people a horrible period, for personally for me, I I, uh, I kind of enjoyed it and, and took a lot out of it.
0: Well, you're famous for this Uber Eats deliveries. So was that in the UK, or, or was it? Are you were you in Holland then?
1: No, no, all the way in the UK. So that was in Chesterfield. I moved from Taunton to the Midlands um, after the first lockdown, and uh, I stayed in Chesterfield for that winter um, and and the majority of the next summer. And then um, end of 2021, summer, I played, I played the 50 over cup for Durham. And then during that period, I got picked up by Gloucester. So then I went from Taunton up to sort of Newcastle and then back to the southwest, uh, where I'm living now again.
0: Well, on the subject of travelling, I wanted to talk about your um, uh, franchise career because you played, as we talked about earlier, in the the BPL, the CPL. You played in the Blast. You played in the Lanka Premier League and you've even played in Canada, in Winnipeg. Um what are yeah. all the diff- what are all the different challenges in those five different competitions? And how do they differ?
1: Um it's uh that's a good question. I think uh the CPL was probably what I would have called the first the first major uh franchise league that I played in and and to play as I think I played five or eight games, which was a lot more than I thought I would play. Um, and to win it was quite a special, special feeling. And, and Canada also sort of happened via the Dutch cricket board. And and, and I guess we had probably the, the weakest team, but we played at a small ground and the flat wickets. So um, the bowling, any bowler was more a bowling machine than than a skillful operator, I guess. Um, and, and we somehow managed to win that. But that was... Uh, Definitely a little bit more relaxed and 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 probably not as professional, so to say. And then um, I guess the World Cup set me up for the the Lanka Premier League, which was obviously in December, which which was challenging because uh, there was a lot of cricket in a very short period of time. And and again, probably didn't perform as as well as I would have liked. And and Bangladesh. Um, it's 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 a lot better with sort of a bit more time off and training opportunities and and just sort of getting into the flow in, in how they operate here in Bangladesh. Um, you know, just seeing all these different cultures and different way of approaching the game is it's it's definitely been a big learning curve.
0: It must be pretty intense as a as a fast bowler. You must be on the having a massage all the time or beyond that table. Yeah, I think.
1: I think a lot of people already knew I spent a lot of time on the bet, but, um, yeah, the first, especially the first couple of weeks, getting over the flight and, and sort of getting straight into a competitive mode and, uh, saw me on the physio bet quite a bit the first couple of days, but the body is sort of now in, in competitive mode and I'm definitely a lot more bowling fit at the moment. So there's a lot less spend on the, on the physio bet and the masseur bet and, and, uh, just, you know, trying to stay in the park at the moment.
0: And when you're bowling in T20, it's a bit of an obvious sort of statement, but are wickets now so much the key? I mean, you can get hit for six, then get hit for, say, another six. But if you can get the batsman out with the third ball, you're you still probably doing a good job.
1: Uh, yeah, it depends per game. Um, and it depends on, on, on the mindset per bowler. I, I tend to... My mindset is very much trying to go for as least amount of runs as I go and hopefully by by doing that I build enough pressure for the batsman to make a mistake. And if you ball a Jeffer in between that gets you a wicket, that's that's bonus. But I'm I'm trying just to be as economy as economical as possible and uh hopefully make put the betters on the pressure for either the bowl on the other end or, or for me to, to get the rewards of that. Um and um I I had a few chats with Dirk Nannus at the World Cup when he was commenting our when he was the commentator at our games and and he had a very similar mindset so he was all about trying to bowl as many dot balls and singles as possible and 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 pick up his wickets that way and and he was quite a successful bowler so I I was quite happy to find out that he had a similar approach to the game so that gave me a lot of confidence going into sort of the the back end of that T20 World Cup
0: but I guess it must be hard though if, if, if during and over, you do go for three or four boundaries in a row because you, to not fall apart as a bowler.
1: No, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's not that much fun to ball, especially on the flat wickets. And, um, I guess I don't like if I, if I execute four balls in a row and they still go to the boundary, I'm probably not as upset and, and, and I'm still quite positive. But so some days the ball doesn't come out the way you want and you don't have that much control. Uh, and when you then keep disappearing to the to the boundary, it's very hard to uh, even finish off your over. Like uh, sometimes there are times after three or four balls where you just want to walk away and uh, and want someone else to finish the over. But unfortunately, unfortunately, we can't. Um, and and at that time, at those times, it's quite challenging. But you know, the more the more you get in those in those situations, the better you can deal with it, and and hopefully you sort of. The outcome is is going to be in your favor more, more often than not.
0: And are you getting more and more data when you're playing in these uh, various competitions?
1: Uh, there probably is going to be more data, but I don't probably use them as much as I maybe shoot. Or uh, you know, I think data can be very helpful, but using it too much can be a downfall. I mean. Uh, my data on on the wickets at the World Cup are probably going to be a lot better than the data when ball in in county cricket during the Blast, when the wickets are a lot flatter and the grounds are a lot smaller. So it's more about how and and when you use the data instead of just looking at it, because cricket is so such a different game in any continent you play in every country you play. So um, I, I personally don't tend to look in it too deeply because. You know, if you play in the UK where the boundaries are smaller, a miss hit can go for six, where if you bowl the same ball and the and the batsman hit it the same way in places like South Africa or or Australia, they, they get caught on the boundary. So um I don't tend to look at it too deeply. Um hopefully if you got a good team analyst um who gives you the right informations and and sort of if a player scoops or not in, in the depth and Trying to understand really what his strengths and weaknesses are—that's that's sort of the data I kind of use and and uh, and go with. It's not about sort of, you know, see see what's worked for me. It's just individual plans against individual players, and uh, and again, individual grounds. I guess is what I'm more interested in than than looking at my own data and and see see what's happening.
0: I'm moving ahead to. Uh, Gloucestershire 2023. Are you going straight from Bangladesh to, to Bristol?
1: I uh, will be flying back to Bristol. Uh, obviously, we still got pre-season starting in March. Um, and we've got a trip to South Africa and Zimbabwe with the Dutch team in March. So um, it looks like I'll be going to South Africa and Zimbabwe with the Dutch team to sort of do my, my prep there. I think with Gloucester we're staying in the UK at the moment so just being actually away in March when you know you're gonna have good weather, weather and competitive cricket is probably better for me anyway but um, yeah we'll see where the season takes us we we had an up and down season I guess last year which very much was a transition year with with the clock uh, with a new new coach new director of cricket and I feel like this year uh, hopefully we can we can fight for for promotion to Div One and and last year we probably were one or two games away in, in the fifty over t twenty format to qualify for the to qualify for the playoffs. So hopefully we can get a few more performances in there and and then hopefully maybe take away a little bit of silverware and the white ball stuff as we weren't far away last year.
0: And is your contract a white ball contract or and would you like to play red ball?
1: Yeah, no, I'm definitely open to play Red Bull cricket. I've I've made my intentions to the coach very clear. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely available for Red Bull cricket. I'm I'm on a all three format deal at the moment. So uh we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully can stay on all three formats in for twenty twenty four. But I probably need to show a little bit more in the Red Bull department to to sort of guarantee that. But I'll definitely be working for it and, and trying my best to to stay relevant in all three formats of the game, because um, I think from a from a job security point of view, that's the way it's going at the moment in county cricket. Unless you're sort of a, a white ball specialist and get picked up regularly in the the franchise leagues, but at the moment, I'm I'm guessing there's a few opportunities now knocking around with so much franchise cricket, and um hopefully on one good tournament or a couple of strong performances away to sort of get picked up regularly in the white ball stuff and then we'll see what happens but um i i enjoy the challenge of red Bull cricket uh so uh, yeah at the moment my body can probably still handle the red Bull stuff so as long that's the case i'm, I'm happy to play all three formats
0: well you're still young yet so
1: uh... <laughs> well 30s uh i'm probably halfway through my career if not just past it. So, uh, well, probably past, past halfway point. I've been playing for the Dutch team for 10 years. I don't think I've got another 10 years left in me. So very much coming towards sort of the the business end to my career, so to say.
0: Well, you've played eight ODIs and 58 uh, T20s. What about the 100? Or will you be putting your name forward for that?
1: I've put my name forward so far. But again, uh, the first year I wasn't contracted in the county and and last year I probably didn't have a full season with the county, and and probably haven't didn't wasn't able to put enough performances in to sort of get picked up in that mini draft I think we had last year. So uh, I've put my name again in this year. I think the draft is in March, and and hopefully some of my performances last year in the World Cup has has helped me maybe get a get picked up there in a in a in a team. But if not, there's a there's a fifty over comp on with Gloucester. So I'll be playing cricket either way
0: what about some um, international wise for the netherlands in 2023
1: good question we've got the the africa tour in march and then we've got a 50 over world cup qualifier in june uh, in zimbabwe which is probably going to be quite challenging for the kcb as we've got so many guys playing in england uh during the t20 stuff and and at the moment the the, the counties are the are the teams that pay our bills? So it's really hard to commit to the Dutch team doing those sort of T Twenty blocks and, and and county stuff. So um, yeah, that, that's uh, that's going to be a big challenge. But there, there will be some international cricket there, and, and that's it at the moment. So the stuff that we know, which is confirmed, is is uh, Africa in March, the World Cup fifty over World Cup qualifier, and the the T Twenty World Cup in twenty twenty four. So Hopefully in the next few weeks, um, we find out a little bit more about what the rest of the summer is looking for international-wise.
0: We're talking about the summer. It's um, the Ashes this summer. Uh, so I thought I'd be asking each guest now what they thought would happen between England and Australia. Is Basball going to prevail against the Aussies?
1: I think there's definitely, they've got a better chance the way they're playing their cricket at the moment. Um Looking at the last two Ashes series is definitely not going to be as one-sided, I reckon. So uh, I'm not going to put my money on England as of yet, definitely because I grew up supporting the Aussies. So I still definitely have a stronger Aussie, Aussie preference, but um, it's definitely going to be a more exciting and, and balanced contest, I reckon, this year than, than it was the last two times around.
0: So why did you grow up supporting the Australians?
1: Um, we... We didn't have um cricket on t v and and sort of the the clips I saw was Shane Warren and and Brett Lee and Glamour Gray, you know that golden era of Australian cricket when I grew up. so whatever I saw, that's what I saw, and that's sort of the team then I started following a bit more and and supporting so that's that's why my probably my supports with the Australian team over over the English team.
0: Well, on that note, uh, and, and on the note that you earlier yeah. mentioned that um, the Netherlands have never lost a T20 international to England. <laughs> I haven't checked that, but I know I we lost want to say in 2009. Yeah, so. yeah,
1: 2009 and 2014. But after last summer, I'm sure there are plenty of England supporters that want to remind us that we pretty much went for 500 in an ODI. Um which I didn't play in, but then also I didn't play in the two T Twenty internationals that we beat England. So um, I'm not sure if I've got any bragging rights of yet. But uh, yeah, I think from from as a Dutch cricket fan, um, I can proudly say we never lost against England in in T Twenty international cricket.
0: Well, on that note, I think it's about time we, we stopped uh, the this week's episode of the paddock and the building. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh,
1: Paul, for being on Perfect. the show. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.